Hey, welcome to the Wednesday podcast. We have a big show tonight you don't want to miss on Blaze TV. I'm mentioning it because I, it, we're going to give you information that I don't think anybody else is really looking at and tying some things together that need to be tied together. It is the war on terror. Innocent until proven conservative. What the government is doing now about January 6th. What is really going on tonight, 9 p.m., only on Blaze TV? If you're not a subscriber, please subscribe now. Use Beck as the promo code and you'll uh, save 10%. Uh, check it out now. On this podcast right now, we've got an incredible interview. You want to understand what's happening in Israel? You have to understand the past. And I don't mean 2,000 years ago, I mean the past 1945. What happened after the war with Germany? And how does that connect to the PLO? How does that connect to Yasser Arafat? How does that connect to Hezbollah? What's really going on? Facts you need to know on today's podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. John Cena is very, very sorry to all of the uh, Chinese fans for referring to Taiwan as a country in Fast and Furious 9. Now, I mean, who thinks that Taiwan is a country? I mean, yes, we have a treaty that really kind of demands that we uh, say that. But we had a treaty. The British had a treaty with Hong Kong, too. They were supposed to stand up and protect that. What? What's a treaty? You know what I mean? What even is it? It's what is it? It was a piece yeah. of paper. I don't even know. Right. I mean, it sounds like so, a treat. <laughs> so could we play now the audio uh, of John Cena apologizing uh, to, uh, to, to the people of China? Here it is. I was thinking the same thing. Same thing. Uh, yeah. Concentration camp. Hmm? <laughs> Do they have the same word for concentration camp? That we yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Concentration it's weird. It's and camp weird. are apparently exactly yeah. the same in the Mandarin. Yep, yep, yep. yep. So it's pretty, it's pretty remarkable. Pretty remarkable. Now, why would he do this? I mean, you know, everybody's trying to say that, you know, he did it just so Fast and Furious 9, you know, could be shown in China. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but, you know, let's not let's not dismiss 135 George Washington portraits, all individually engraved, all with their own unique serial number. 135 million. 135 mm-hmm. million yeah, yeah. portraits of our president. That's what <laughs> this is really all about. Are there even a are there even a hundred and thirty five million uh, people in Taiwan? No, Probably there's only twenty three point eight million people in Taiwan. So which would you rather say? By far the Washingtons. <laughs> of course. You got to have the dead presidents, right? You got to have it. Gotta you got to have it. I mean, he was standing up for America there. I mean, I'm so glad to see everybody is is really 
uh, standing up for our values yeah, it's overseas. Good. It's you good. Know? And I love yeah, how they come here and they come here and preach to us because we need it so desperately. And then mm-hmm. they go over and, you know, they'll they'll deny the reality. They'll deny that wishes are horses. They'll deny that pigs have wings. They'll deny that the moon is stilton. They deny all of these wonderful things. Anyway, um, I think it's really wonderful that they go over and they are are there for the people of China. Mm-hmm. Well, not the people, people, mm-hmm. but the people that matter. You know what I mean? Well, the Communist Party people, you know, the ones yes. at the very tippy top. Of. Yes. Yeah. That's so great. Has there ever been a more pathetic yeah. ap- apology to anybody at any time? I am so, 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 so. Hun, 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 hun. Woshi, hun, 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 hun. Bo Chen. I, how many times are you going to say so, 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 so sorry? And he didn't do anything uh, it's wrong. It's embarrassing. Should point out he didn't actually do anything wrong. And he said he made a mistake uh, three times. What what was your mistake? What, what did you was specify what that was? What was your mistake? That Taiwan's a country? Maybe nobody knows. So that. it's only been seventy years. Mm. So here's what's going to happen. People don't here's, know. Here is what's going to happen. Mark my words. This is in your future, America. Uh, China is going to take Taiwan and we will do nothing. Mm -hmm. We will do nothing when they do it because we'll say we don't want war with China. Okay, that's cool. Then China will start taking everything in Asia. They and and Australia. I mean, there's not one hundred and thirty five million Washingtons in Australia. You know what I'm saying? New Zealand. Bye-bye, brush up on your Mm. Mandarin. This is what is coming. Because we'll do nothing. We did nothing with Hong Kong. Hong Kong had a treaty. It was to be protected. That was was Poland. You know, when... when, Or Czechoslovakia. When when the Germans first rolled in and everybody was like, you know, we're going to... We're going to stand behind Poland. Really? Really? Did we stand behind all those countries that were begging us for help? No, not until it was way too late. Way too late. It's really hard to overestimate how pathetic this video is. I, I, especially because, you know, John Cena is is giant jacked guy. He's like an mm-hmm. American superhero. And he's just, you know, bending over for the communist government of China. It is such a massive statement against an American ally against an American ally. If I were if I were the Chinese in these concentration camps and elsewhere, I would make sure that these messages from these Americans and the collusion with Facebook and Google and Apple were well advertised and well known. Because imagine those people who think there's going to be somebody who will stand with us. There's going to be somebody. Imagine those people who are in Israel thinking the whole world is against them. Well, no, not the United States of America. Or all those people who are in China or Taiwan that think, well, the United States will protect us. And they see this. Imagine those people who are in Mm -hmm. gulags, in prison camps, or in hiding when they see people like this. 
They used to see action heroes. They used to see movies where the Americans actually stood for something and they stood against everyone in the world if they had to. Mm -hmm. The the good guy stood up by himself if he had to. We're not doing that anymore. Not doing that at all. Doing the opposite. We're standing up for money and we're cowering. It is despicable. Everything that the that people on the left say capitalism is, they're doing. They're the ones that are making capitalism this grotesque. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you really think the NBA really cares about any American values anymore? I mean, I don't know why anyone would buy a ticket to the NBA anymore. No, you didn't why know are you very confused? You, he didn't know why they bought it before, though, either. I mean, you know, you, your well, you know, affinity no, I, for sports is well no, noted. No, no, no. Why I would buy a ticket would be in question, <laughs> not why why people are. I mean, y- you look though. You look now at what uh, mm-hmm. the the NBA Social Justice Coalition has just done. Did you hear this mm-hmm. from yesterday? Did you even know the NBA had a Social Justice Coalition? Uh, on the one-year anniversary of George Floyd murder, the NBA's Social Justice Coalition re- re- released a statement Monday night calling for the U.S. Senate to finally pass the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act as a way to honor the memory of Floyd and others who have been victims of police brutality. Now, I know that many sports uh, players, you know, have had uh, personal, intimate uh, contact with the back of a police car. Um, and, you know, I know they do travel all over and many of them need police protection and the games need police protection. And uh, so they probably know more than I do on uh, policing. That's why I'm so very grateful for the NBA to tell me and to tell the U.S. Senate what they should be voting on. No, I think that's great. I think that's great. Mm. Well, I mean, I always go to the every pro athlete to find out what I should think about things. And uh, the NBA is it's so in your face. If you try to actually attempt to watch it, it's almost like the NBA at this point is a social justice and really not even a Democratic Party arm that also happens to occasionally dribble basketballs. And one that doesn't really care about freedom or justice. Oh, God, no. They, they couldn't care less about what's going oh, on in China. In fact, they bend over backwards for the Chinese. Yep. If you have, <clears throat> if you want me to believe you care about injustice mm-hmm. and you're not leading a campaign against 200, I'm sorry, was it 380 concentration camps currently in uh, China? If you don't care about that, if that's not your number one priority, you don't give a flying crap. You don't. No. You don't care. If you're doing work at Google and Facebook and you're working on behalf of the Chinese government, if you are saying, I'm sorry, so, 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 sorry to Taiwan, you don't give a flying crap about anything other than money. And you're disgusting and despicable. You are the reason capitalism gets a bad name because the problem is not capitalism. The problem is not money. The problem is love of money. And you have sold out everything that is good and decent and everything Mm -hmm. your mother ever told you was right for the love of money. And you know what's interesting is they 
have sold out their American audience pretty much. And, and I think they're okay with that now because of China, because basketball is so popular in China and it's a market go that's over. four then times the China. size of ours. They don't care then, now because yeah. their ratings have plummeted over the last two years, especially the last year. They've got almost nobody watching their hard. games anymore. It's it's difficult to watch. It's in your face all, it, all the, the time. time. It's just a social justice. I haven't watched Democratic a single party. game this year. Not yeah, one. it's hard to be interested in it. And I will say, like, I think this is a larger issue, you know, than just the NBA. And that, like, if you go back in our history, you can find a lot of examples where the incentives align for pop culture and all of this stuff to occasionally find enemies that were overseas communists you know japanese uh like there was a lot of this and sometimes it was over the line right Mm -hmm. those incentives have changed now to look good to the american people these organizations look for enemies within the country they say republicans are bad georgia is bad north carolina is bad right white people are bad it's it's Mm -hmm. all about vilifying people that are American citizens now. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, and again, like making villains out of people is never really a good idea. But you know, in you know movies and such, there'd always be that like uh, you have to have a villain, and the villain used to be like, you know, hey, there's Ivan Drago, right? It was mm-hmm. easy to know who the villain was. Mm-hmm. Now the villains, these companies are getting us. rewarded for just saying yeah. half the, the person who lives down the cul-de-sac is the bad person. Yep. Well, I I don't have a problem, and I know others might, but I don't have a problem. These are jobs I wouldn't mind seeing shipped overseas. I wouldn't mind seeing mm-hmm. the NBA, NFL, and uh, all these social justice organizations now I wouldn't mind seeing all those jobs shipped overseas, but it's going to be up to the American people. When you stop buying tickets and when you stop uh, uh, watching them, yeah, I know it's going to hurt and it's an American tradition, but you know what? The only way to save it is to kill this version of it and let it start over again with people who enjoy freedom and the actual sport. Not everything is about politics. Sports are supposed to be a, uh, a a diversion and also supposed to uphold the best ideals of the human athlete doing things. Michael Jordan could fly doing things that others could not do. I didn't I didn't sign up for anything other than politics being political. And I've had it. And if you're with me on things and you just have to start making the choice in your own mind, what are you willing to stop buying tickets for? What are you willing to stop spending your money on? What are you willing to? I mean, these jobs should be shipped overseas. The NBA should play in China, period. Enough said. This is the best of the Glenn Beck program. One of my favorite people because uh, he has fought some of the biggest corporations in America. He has fought for the truth his whole life, and he's got the evidence always to back it up. Edwin Black, the author of IBM and the Holocaust and the Farhood, which we're going to talk about today. Hello, Edwin. How are you, sir? Thank you very much for having me. I'm fine, Glenn. How are you? I'm good, my friend. Um, I want to, first of all, how are you doing? How is your uh, stress level with everything that is going on right now? So many Jewish people are feeling 
uh, things they hope they would never feel again. I've been monitoring it almost uh, every 30 seconds uh, mm. throughout the entire month. And uh, I can tell you that uh, I've never been more alarmed for the Jewish community in the United States and overseas as I have been in the last few weeks. And I can say that most of the knowing people that I communicate with who are concerned about this topic share that same view with me. There has been an absolute explosion of Nazi-style Palestinian violence against Jews from coast to coast and from continent to continent. And I guess that's what we're going to discuss today. Yes, it is. Edwin, first of all, uh, I want you to know and all of your Jewish friends and my Jewish friends, my family and I have already made our choice long ago, and uh, we will stand with you. People want to know who the Jew is. We will raise our hand as well. Um, there are millions of Christians now who are not the Christians of the 1930s. Uh, at least I hope. Um, but uh, I, I think we're in a different time. Um, all right, let's let's talk about you just said something really interesting. You just said this Palestinian Nazi style attacks. How dare you compare the Palestinians to the Nazis? What evidence do you have? I think that most uh, historians and uh, you, you and I both know that the Palestinian Arabs and the Arab and Muslim world, generally speaking, was profoundly and almost uniformly in league with the Nazis as full partners during World War II. Uh, Two and the run-up to World War II and the Holocaust itself. Uh, there were, um, uh, through the Mufti of Jerusalem, who was the main ally of Adolf Hitler, the Mufti of Jerusalem, who actually was made a Mufti by the British, and actually to make him even Muftier, the British invented a title called Grand Mufti. Uh, the, the Mufti of Jerusalem led the Muslim, Arab, and Palestinian world in a complete alliance with the Nazis. Uh, this means that they went on a recruitment binge that made three Waffen-SS divisions in Europe, tens of thousands of recruits working everywhere from Paris to Poland. This means that in, uh, throughout the um, marketplaces in Syria and uh, Jewish Palestine, the posters were uh, in heaven, Allah is your master, on earth it is Adolf Hitler. They actually um, lionized Hitler as some sort of a mythic Arab boy called uh, Hadar, who they said was actually born in Egypt and uh, visited all the mosques. Um, they uh, actually, the word hit, the name Hitler became the second most popular name after Muhammad for, new, for newborns. And people will even remember that Field Marshal Tantawi, who uh, uh, was in before Morsi in Egypt, uh, Tantawi's brother was known as Hitler Tantawi, 
So there are lots of people running around Jeez. the Middle East with the, first, with the first name of Hitler. And in my book, The Far Hood, uh, we quote a letter, a love letter to Adolf Hitler uh, in uh, a post-war Cairo newspaper. And this love letter to Hitler was written by none other, uh, other than Anwar Sadat. So it's a long. What did it? Wait, 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 wait. What? What did it? What did it say? What did Andrew, Andrew, uh, uh, Anwar Sadat say in that letter? Paraphrasing. Well, and it, 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 paraphrasing, he said, uh, uh, "I know you are gone, but we wish you would come back. You were one of the greatest." And it was actually a love light, a love letter contest uh, held annually. By this news, by this newspaper in Cairo, in Cairo, and uh, the one in question was written by Anwar Sadat. It's quoted completely in my book, and uh, this is just very, very common. Rem- uh, remember, Mein Kampf uh, and the Protocols of the Elders of Zion is in Arabic and is continuously uh, in the um, top ten and often the number one spot of best-selling books throughout the Middle East. So okay, so I just... I, okay, hang on just a second. I just so Let me just sweep up here uh, on a few things. Uh, I have... I just showed them just this last weekend in a history conference that we did. We have the badges of the SS uh, that was the Arabic SS um, that they were in love with the idea of killing all of the jews um they were um deeply behind this the grand mufti uh um was also looking into starting uh concentration camps in the middle east can you can you tell me um uh when when did when did Iran change from Persia to Iran, and how was the Grand Mufti involved in that? All right. Iran's name for many centuries was Persia. But the alliance between Iran and the Nazis was so profound that uh, Persia changed its name to Iran, which means in Persian, Aryan. And, of course, the Iranians have an authentic link with the concept of Aryan lineage, but the Germans had this mythic uh, and fabricated link with with Aryan. So in 1935, in a special ceremony with with Arab finance ministers uh, and German finance ministers, uh, the, the Persians changed the name uh, to show their solidarity with with Germany. On top of that, Persia was actually so infested with um, uh, 2,000 leading members of the Nazi party and uh, so committed to a narrow-gauge rail, rail, railway that only uh, Germany could use. The Allies invaded Persia, which changed its name to Ir- Ir- Iran, uh, to kick the Nazis out and to stop that rail railway from being produced. 
So um, Iran means Aryan, and I don't I don't understand the connection to Aryans because the Aryan race I thought was blonde hair, blue eyed. How did they connect themselves to Aryans? There was a completely fabricated, invented, upside down, inside out Nazi okay. legend that mm. the Germans were connected to the Indo-European uh, and um, yes. subcontinent, uh, subcontinental idea of the uh, Aryan race. And the Aryan race, of course, has nothing to do with the Germans. Even the swastika Correct. Is, um, f- is from that, cul- that culture. But it was capitalized on by uh, the leaders of Persia in, uh, the, in the 1930s. And, okay. of, it, it, and that's how they continued. Of course, you know that the uh, Nazis sent many um, archaeologists and anthropologists all over the world trying yes. to prove these links. There was even a uh, movie with Brad Pitt. Uh, I believe it was called uh, two, uh, two Years to Tibet, where they were looking with this, and, 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 and that should interest you because their prime motivation was eugenics and to prove that they were part of this superior eugenic Correct. race was Aryan. The whole thing was a complete fabrication. Okay, so um, Edwin, I'm going to take a quick break, and then I want you to share with the audience what uh the the word uh farhood means and what it what it is what what happened what is farhood day uh we'll go to that with edwin black here in just a second stand by this is the best of the glenbeck program Blaze TV host of the Steve Dace program and the author of The Faucian Bargain. Steve, I know that uh, you took a lot of heat for the things that you were saying uh, about uh, the Wuhan virus, the Cheddar virus, and where it came from. Uh, mm-hmm. It looks as though uh, you were right. It's amazing what happens when you go with what is the what's the actual information facts and data say as opposed to what is the political narrative because the only science we've been doing in this country glenn for the last 15 months is political science brother you know what i'm saying that's the only yeah, I do. science we have been doing and if you go to our book fauci and bargain um it's got more footnotes than pages i didn't put a lot of almost any conjecture in there i didn't connect a lot of dots because i wanted the data in there to be airtight But if you go to the chapter on the Wuhan lab, which has its own chapter in the book, we left several breadcrumbs in the air in there where discerning people like will be found in audiences like yours and mine could connect dots. For example, um, the intermediate horseshoe bat, which is what was said to have feasted in the wet market that caused the uh, the adaptation of the virus from animal to human. That that bat doesn't nest any closer than 600 plus miles from Wuhan, China. So it didn't come from the lab that's in the town. It came from a bat that's over 600 miles away. Yes. Right. And it's, it's very difficult to get and dangerous to get this bat, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. So you have to go like into deep into caves and places like yeah. that. 
All right. And I, I know the and I know the Wuhan uh, labs did a documentary back. Uh, they filmed it back in the summer before we had uh, the virus. And they were talking about how dangerous the coronavirus is from these bats as they were collecting them. Correct. But apparently that had nothing to do with anything. In, All right. in, indeed, we, we've, we've heard a ton about gain of function research. But one yes. of the things and that and that is in our book. All right, which gain-of-function research is essentially, uh, let me drop a nuclear bomb on Bikini, uh, Bikini Island and study what it does to the wildlife and the ecosystem, things of that nature, but I'm going to do that with a virus that is a lot can metastasize a lot faster than nuclear fallout can be, particularly in one of China's largest cities. But there was another kind of research that they were doing over there that is documented in our book. And in fact, our own National Institute of Health gave over $7 million dollars uh, to the Wuhan Institute of Virology in order to do this research, Glenn. It's called, quote, spillover research uh, or spillover potential. And what this is, it essentially says they want to know, it, it's a fancy term for what are the odds or the ability of a virus, get this, to jump from animal to humans. We gave over $7 million to the Wuhan Institute of Virology to study that spillover potential. That hasn't even made it in to much of the mainstream media yet, except outside of Steve Hilton's show on Fox News. But that is another, that's sort of, you know, if, if this issue was a southpaw, we're jabbing with the right hand right now on gain of function. The spillover mm -hmm. potential is when we, hit, we come with the left now for the knockout punch. Because why would we ever study that, first of why, all? And then why we combine would... that along with gain of function research. Uh, you know, it's like what Woody Hayes once said about the forward pass, Glenn. Three things can happen and two of them are bad, okay? Why, why would the, NA, uh, the NIH do this why why would the backing of fauci why would fauci say yes we'll we'll send you seven million dollars to uh, to the wuhan institute of virology why would he do that to investigate the spillover so i've been asked a lot of questions but one in particular doing publicity for this book for the last month and a half because one of the things that we see in our book is we follow the chain of evidence of of, of, of what ron DeSantis in his endorsement of our book called fauciism and if you look at what Anthony Fauci was saying about COVID-19 in January, February, in the New England Journal of Medicine, even into early March, everything he said about its modest risk, take it seriously, but he had a modest risk assessment. 15 months later, all of the data shows he was correct in his initial assumptions. Then on March 11th, he goes to Congress, does a complete 180, even from what he was telling the White House, we found out from sources inside the White House. They were blindsided by this, too. On March 11th is when he goes to Congress, says it's going to be 10 times worse than the flu. It's captain trips, basically. The country was all shut down. The NBA shut down that night after the Rudy Gobert, Godair positive. What happened? And what else. happened? What my happened? theory, I, did not, I didn't put it in the book, okay, but here's my theory. My theory is that Collins, who's the, Francis Collins, who runs the NIH, who's Fauci's boss, is that Collins and Fauci had kind of been snookered into a, a Chinese investigative co-op after the first SARS on how to preemptively get ahead of uh, the new SARS uh, and, and probably didn't even know things like the head of the Wuhan Institute of Virology was actually appointed by China was their former bioweapons program director. That's documented in our book as well. Jeez. Probably didn't even know these things because we're all just one big globalist happy family. They've had most favored nation status. They're half Hell, they're half the country's landlord nowadays, Glenn. I mean, we're, we're I the Tricoms in the U.S., I mean, it's ebony and ivory, brother. You know what I'm saying? Crimson and clover. And so they probably um, didn't even ask any questions. And so all the initial assumptions that they got about COVID in early 2020 probably all came from China. 
And then somewhere along the line, the intelligence came into the White House. The stuff that you're hearing right now that was just in the Wall Street Journal, this is the stuff that the president and the White House were probably told 15 months ago, and word gets over to NIH and NIAID, that's Fauci's department, and suddenly it's like, oh bleep, I guess I can't trust all of their assumptions. We're starting from ground zero. We have to start our own real-time data. We don't know what we're dealing with. And I think that explains all of the duplicity. That explains the why he has denied um, natural immunity and a lot of scientific precedent about airborne viruses and why masks don't work, because he has been entirely unsure that we were actually dealing with a natural phenomenon that fell within the, the, the laws of established science when maybe a synthetic or an engineered or a designer virus would not And I think that is the smoking gun here. And I think then you throw in all the media, making him a papal-like figure, and the ego gets involved. I think that's the the frosting on the cake. But I think the origin of all of the duplicity is when when the intel came in that China's probably not telling us the truth. In late June, I'm sorry, in late January of 2020, the WHO in a tweet, the last I checked, is still up. The World Health Organization tweeted out, China assures us, there's no person-to-person transmission of COVID-19. That was in oh late tw- January of 2020. And I think he figured out, oh, bleep, um, we got our hands in the cookie jar here, and they've been trying to figure out how to cover their steps ever since. Okay, so talking about covering it, tell me the role of EcoHealth and Peter Daszak. They're the Planned Parenthood of this operation. And Peter Daszak is the Margaret Sanger, uh, if you will. Mm. Uh, EcoHealth, so... When, when Fauci said to Rand Paul about a week and a half ago that I've not funded any gain-of-function research, all right, this is a little bit like when your politicians have told our audiences for the last 30 years since the Hyde Amendment, we don't fund abortions. Federal government can't do that. We do, though, however, just give a half a billion dollars a year to the organization that does more of them than anybody else. And I'm sure they're just going to use that for clerical work. Um, uh, charity and all those breast uh, cancer exams they never do right that's what eco health was eco health was the funneling mechanism here the money went to the the money for the gain of function research went to them they were the ones who partnered in with wuhan the wuhan institute with actually conducting the research which by the way scientists from all over the, uh, the country. Johns Hopkins even have been very critical of this kind of research Correct. the obama they actually got it wasn't it, it? Yeah, I was going to say, wasn't John Hopkins instrumental in getting it shut down? Yes. And back in 2014, it was shut down um, with their and others recommendations by the Obama administration. It started again in 2017. I've not been able to find out how. It, it, I don't know if it was just as simple as they just figured with the transition to a new administration, they could slip it past the bureaucratic goalie and it mm. would go unnoticed. But it just kind of re-began again in 2017. I don't really know how or what, imp- what was the impetus for that. But, but EcoHealth is the mechanism by which the funding was given to them, and then they helped conduct that research. Peter Daszak um, is, was, was, in, was of somebody who was all over the media last year claiming this was a conspiracy theory, everything else. I believe he was featured in a 60 Minutes profile that took Emerald uh, Robinson's uh, work at, the, at, at Newsmax, connecting a lot of these dots, and called her a conspiracy theory, and she doesn't know what she's talking about. Well, he ended up being the only American that was appointed to the World Health Organization panel to then look at the true origins of the coronavirus. Wow. They came back and told us that it, that it was a natural phenomenon, but it's the guy that was working as EcoHealth in helping conduct the actual research. So everywhere okay. you go, it stinks, Glenn. 
bad. All right. Now, let me let me cover this one thing and then I have uh, I'm going to take a one minute break and come back and ask you uh, a question. Before I take the break, you said that the bioweapons program, the Communist Party bioweapons chief was made the chief of the Wuhan Institute, where we think that this virus came from. Um, I read two weeks ago, I think it was, that uh, that same head was pushing for some sort of a weapon that would be a coronavirus that they could unleash and it would um, it would take out the West and that would be uh, enough of a stumbling block to take all of their economies down and China could rise as the power. Um, is is that true? Are people looking into that? What is that story? Well, let's just connect a couple of quick dots. All right. So in 2018 and 2019, China is riddled with the first real threat against its hegemony in the region with all of the, uh, the riots and protests going on in its chief financial district of Hong Kong. At that time, you've got Trump waging an all-out trade war against them at the exact same time. And so the first time they're economically quartered, and it really since pre-Tiananmen Square, suddenly this virus emerges out of Wuhan, China, from a bat that nests 600 miles away, because if we didn't have Wuhan for luck, Glenn, we'd have no luck at all, shuts all the Western economies down. Oh, by the way, it uniquely targets, unlike Spanish flu, unlike polio, Hong Kong flu, which really didn't discriminate against demographics, this uniquely targets the elderly and the infirm. So a virus comes from a country that forcibly aborts children it doesn't want at the nascent stage. And then later on, when they're no longer productive citizens, wipes out nursing homes all over the fruited plain. And this all just happens to coincide at a time China is the most threatened it's been in about 40 years. It's one hell of a coincidence. I'll say that. There is, there is also a uh, serious uh paper that is going to be coming out soon that is looking into why there was such uh, a marked difference between European uh, people, ancestors of European descent and Asian descent. Uh, and and the, the response quickly is, well, uh, that's because uh, all those uh, Asian countries, they, you know, they were prepared for things like this. But it... Mm-hmm. it uh, it doesn't seem logical. Are you are you following any of that? It doesn't seem logical. I mean, we're sitting here right now. Um, we're still not even sure the Tokyo Olympics are going to take place later this summer. And we've been told three times in our media that Japan has conquered the virus with masks as their cases continue to escalate and skyrocket. They also, by the way, have a level of what we call crossover immunity from, you know, coronaviruses, as your audience probably knows, are not new. They've mutated into other forms like colds or things Mm -hmm. of that nature in the last few decades. They get more exposed to those over in the Asian countries than we do. Japan still cannot get its case amount under control that we can sit here today as we head into Memorial Day weekend. We still don't know yet, while the virus is in full retreat here in the U.S., we still can't sit here right here today and say in a couple of months we're going to have the Summer Olympics in Tokyo. We don't know that yet. All right, Steve, uh, hold on one minute. One more question, uh, and that is about consequences. What are the consequences of China if these things are true? 